0: Hello and welcome to Connected episode 305. It's not 305, isn't it? 306. It's
1: 306.
0: Oh. Hello and welcome to Connected episode 306. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, HRFs, Pingdom, and Hover. My name is Stephen Hackett and I'm joined by Mr. Federico Vitici
2: hello Stephen hackett
0: hello federico how are you
2: i'm good i'm good good how are you
0: pretty good it's you know it's august now which is weird but time time keeps ticking away you know mm-hmm. don't mention it i know <laughs> we're also joined by mike Hurley.
1: it's a me michael it's
2: a me, Michael. It's me,
1: Michele. Yes, it's-a a Michele. It's a me. I have that Lego coming and I'm so friggin' excited. The Mario Lego. You got the Mario Lego. Mm. I haven't got it yet. It's on the way. I did do something silly, which I need to resolve in a typical Mike fashion. So there's the I, I think I referenced the NES Lego on a previous episode, right? Mm-hmm. But as well as that, Lego have the Mario sets where they're like these little play sets with the LED-i Mario. You know what I'm talking about? You guys must have seen these. I know Federico has. Steven, have you seen these? The the Mario Lego sets? Yeah, they look great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I accidentally ordered two of these. <laughs> Because Oh, why you keep doing this? Because I don't pay attention to what I'm doing. I, I rush. So this is what <laughs> happened. The NES Lego went up for sale, and I wanted to get that quick, and you couldn't pre-order that, right? So I ordered it fast and then thought to myself, oh, I want to make sure I have the Mario starter set because if you have one of those two Marios and you put it on top of the NES set, When you turn the crank, it plays the music of what's happening on the screen, which I just think is friggin' awesome. So clever. So I wanted to get that. So I did. I ordered them both, and they're both on the way. But what I didn't remember is back in April, because who knows about anything in the past, back in April when they announced the Mario sets, you could pre-order them. And I did pre-order the the starter Mm. set. So now I have Uh. two starter sets on the way. So... I guess someone's going to get that for Christmas. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <Probably they're laughs> that, not listening. that second set, like probably my younger brother's going to get that yeah. for Christmas. That's probably what's going to happen with that
2: one. And this is a very John Voorhees thing
1: to do. It is, isn't it? It and is. I guess I'm getting yeah. I'm getting to John's age, I suppose. Yeah. John is 33 <laughs> wow. years old, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. And I'm nearly there. Well, I'm nearly times there. Times two. Stephen, how old are you again? I am. 22. 34. I thought it was two years. Yeah. I heard that on I was Upgrade. Talking about the yep. sun upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot how old you were. You're 34? Mm-hmm. 34. You're 34.
0: Yeah. Yep. I'll be 35 wow. uh, early next year.
1: Ooh, that seems unfortunate. 35. I don't 35 like the sound
2: is of the that. age that Dante wrote the
1: Divine Comedy. Oh. oh what are you going to do in your final year before you're at that level? Yeah.
0: I mean, I think my Big Sur review is going to be pretty decent. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> They'll say in years, to, in years to come, thirty-five. That was the age that Stephen wrote the big server review. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: You know, hopefully, I'll review the first Arm Mac. I plan to do that. So I got a lot of exciting stuff, man. I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna have a snack after we record. It's looking up over here.
1: But you're not yeah. thirty-five yet, so that won't count for the snack.
0: Not yet. That's true. The snack is a warm-up.
2: You're riding into the sunset with a bunch of great stories, Stephen. <laughs>
0: I it. hope it's not the sunset. <laughs> nope. Goodbye, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for you.
1: It nice knowing you. Oh,
0: boy. All right. Let's do some follow-up. Follow-up. Discontent with our NASCAR coverage, mm-hmm. listener Michael has now created an F1 car. Based yes, on wait, wait, this is Listener
1: Michael, Mike? No, it's not Listen. me. It's, like, <laughs> okay. it's not me. It's not me. Okay,
0: and uh, it's wow. it's spectacular.
1: It's so good. Oh my god! It's very oh good. God. This is this is it for me. Like this is what I'm looking for.
2: Um, this is amazing. Couple of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I mean, I appreciate it, but why is the Club Max Stories logo in there?
1: Because <laughs> it's all okay. So Formula One cars are covered in sponsors. So no, no, that I get. Right.
2: It just feels like. It was pretty like relay
1: themed. Well, so, but I do appreciate it. It's the like, themes you know? of the three of us, right? Yeah. I mean, ah, arguably, okay. I okay. have the least to do, do with this F1 car. Although Mike was right to sit just over the air intake. Mike was right. Um, but there's something that is related to all of us, right? 512 pixels is right, on there. Right. We have the weird fish on there. Remember the milk is on here. <laughs>
2: Remember, remember the milk, the dog cow, <laughs> yeah. the Macintosh, the seal of quality is in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh,
0: this is really well done. It's
1: really good. It's really well done.
2: Yeah, I like it. I like it. It's very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you still following Formula oh, One, Mike? So
1: badly, man, I love it. A- any any key updates uh, that we should know about? One of the races has coronavirus.
2: Oh, okay. so we talked <laughs> about that? Then.
1: Mm, oh no, I don't know. Uh, because they went. Uh, they they went home uh they left ah. the country and uh they ha- now have coronavirus so that's
2: unfortunate yeah. that's unfortunate he's doing
1: okay though you know but uh he does have it i, I did that's see good. the clip
0: where the guy finished with a flat tire which seems yeah. like a miracle to i've me. seen
1: that on the news he as well He was going I've... like 140 miles an hour with three wheels
0: It's unbelievable
1: wow and it-, it happened on the final lap it was incredible You could see that was Hamilton, right? It was Lewis Hamilton, of course. Second place was like coming around the last bend, right? It was like catching up to him because obviously, like, Lewis was going slower because he had three wheels. It Mm -hmm. was a thrilling end to the final race. So I'm really loving F1, boys. I'm I'm it. Like, I don't, you know, I just want to say I'm not the person who keeps bringing it up. People keep bringing it up around me and they get me talking Mm -hmm. about it. Uh, But I'm loving it. I'm a big sports boy now.
2: I'm just telling you. If you ever want to practice, there's a circuit very close to our place here. I don't you think you there. understand.
1: <laughs> you can practice? One of my start very slow.
2: <laughs> start very slow with like a go kart or something. Right, right. Formula <laughs> One isn't from... like
1: soccer, you know. Like you can't go play <laughs> Formula One with your friends. Can you just
2: practice Formula One? <laughs> I not <don't laughs> think just, so. Like, I feel like Formula. You know, you'd be like I feel like Formula One in today. Just like <laughs> let me drive at two hundred kilometers an hour. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm just telling you. If you ever change your mind, we have we have a, like an actual circuit. Do you call them
1: circuit? Oh, tracks. What do you call them? It circuits. depends. Tracks. They could be circuits okay. or tracks. Yeah. Okay. Do you know the name yeah. of the circuit that you're talking about?
2: Well, I'm actually. Let me double double check. This is <coughs> that it's like googling. I don't
1: think it's. I don't think it's enabled.
2: Okay, so. Uh, Valelunga circuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, let's see. Uh, in held the Rome Grand Prix. Wow, okay.
1: Vallelunga circuit, uh, Look at that. yeah.
2: Being used by the new configuration has received homologation from the
1: FIA mm-hmm. as a test circuit, mm-hmm. being used by various Formula One teams. Yep, unfortunately, it's not one of the ones in the actual. Uh, calendar, but it is used in some some regard. So there you go. ACI velalunga circuit. Yes. Will be yes. in the show notes because people need to know. Yes. And uh, it's like
2: uh I would say thirty minutes away from here. So yeah, twenty miles north of Rome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember correctly. You would think so it was a slow news week. <laughs> 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 if
1: you ever but wanna practice it, it is I mean look
2: at the sweet bends. Can you imagine you mm-hmm. just jumping there? You know? Yeah. Risking your life for the glory of the show? That would be incredible.
1: Yeah. That's what I need anyway. to do. Formula 1 before I have my driving license. <laughs> it's a beautiful idea.
0: <laughs> I have some bad news. Green Gate continues to take over the world.
2: This is not a thing like these
1: and the year of Stephen like uh... the thing that you are referring to has mm. absolutely zero to do with <laughs> the previous issue. <laughs>
0: Oh, no, it's green Nothing. and it happened to me. That's literally oh, the whole geez. basis of it.
1: Then your avatar on Twitter is also suffering from green gate. Just the left side of it. <laughs> right, okay. It's partial <laughs> green. Can you explain to people that can't see what we're talking about, please?
0: Yes, uh, there's a link in the show notes to this. I have Big Sur on my MacBook Pro and in beta 3, uh, I don't actually know about beta 4 yet, but in beta 3 at least, when I started up, All of the touch bar buttons are lime green, except the dim brightness button. But the increased brightness, the keyboard brightness controls, the volume controls, all just bright green. And you log in, and then after a minute, it goes away and it it acts normally. But I love that something has happened where (laughs) the touch bar finally got an update. That's the real news. Yeah,
1: people are always complaining that nothing's happening with the touch bar but something new has happened with the touch bar. So, you know, job done.
0: Bright green. I mean, how how do you even come across a bug that does that? I'd love to know how these things work. Uh, the chat room is calling it green, sir. So that's so good. we're going
1: to go with. What mm-hmm. is green in uh, Spanish? Verde is in Italian. So I want to say verde maybe in, in Spanish. Yeah, I think that's it. So this would be, what, Verde Sur?
0: <laughs> if you want to give it nice. a go, Federico,
1: because I can't do it. Uh, uh, let me just double with check. D- that no, that it, it is Verde, but it's with, oh, the, it with is? the, I can't roll the R's. Are you sure that it's, let's
2: see, Spanish. Okay, it's Verde. Yeah. So Verde Sur. There you go. The verde Sur. There you go, Ooh, yes, Green Sur. Yes. Very good, very good, yes.
0: I have not by the way seen this on my iPhone. So the the green gate has migrated from my phone to my laptop. It hasn't.
1: It has. It's a different it, thing.
2: It hasn't. This is like like we are talking about nothing here. Like you just had a bunch of green buttons. Yes. It's
1: it's <laughs> completely 100% unrelated to what happened to you last time. You're not a software developer. So the the, the screen of your iPhone slightly tinting green. Yes is the same issue as the buttons on your touch bar being green some of the time when you're logging in.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a bonjour bug. The green traveled across the network.
1: It's a bonjour bug. Mm-hmm. Do, do any devices still support that old technology? Everything.
0: Yeah, bonjour is everywhere. That's how you print. it's how you do file sharing. It's all there. Sure.
1: Sure.
2: Really? Mm-hmm. Is this a call bonjour? Yeah. Bonjour, big sir. <laughs> bonjour, ma <Marcel>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my this god. is Federico. Oh, yes. Bonjour. Bonjour is a beautiful word, I think. It is
1: a beautiful word, isn't
2: it? I l- I really like the sound of the French language. Mm. But I cannot like I don't understand a single word of it. But I really do love the sound of it. It's the language of love. But I can only I can only say like three words mm-hmm. in French. L- which are? Uh, bonjour, mademoiselle, uh, are <laughs> two of them. Okay, <laughs> what's the third one? Merci. Ah, uh, good,
1: they are three. Uh, they're correct, they are three French uh, words. Mm-hmm. Si vous plait, well, that's, which that's is more, more like that an you've got up to like five or six now.
2: Yeah, yeah, and then I know a bunch of like names of like uh, football players. That doesn't really count. That's not a word, no. I know a bu- bunch of names of boroughs in Paris, None of like those. Montmartre, for example, Okay.
1: that doesn't apply. Uh, you saw yourself short. A minute ago, you only knew three words, and now it's infinite.
2: I actually know a bunch of. I can't. I can't speak French. You can move, guys. You can move now. I can. Go. Okay. All right. Bye. <laughs> let's, let's do the see. sure gotta catch a plane to Paris. And, uh, good luck. Let's go. Uh, let's go. <laughs> that's the luck to you.
0: Um. <laughs> you know, Bonjour used to be called Rendezvous, and then they got sued.
2: Really? So it's always been like a French name.
0: Yeah, they got sued by Tibco Software, which my, I don't know, but my guess is is they're not in business anymore. Uh, 'cause this is in two thousand five.
1: Well they probably cashed out when they when they won that old Apple lawsuit. Yeah.
0: And then Apple had to change it to Bonjour, which is a better name anyway, I think. Oh, real time follow up,
1: Tipco. Tipco is still still in very business. much alive. They're strong. hmm They fuel well.
0: the modern enterprise through Tipco connected intelligence. Well don't we all
1: though really like mm-hmm. if you think about it. They yep. ipo would at one
0: point. They have uh, a COVID notice on top of their website because everyone has to do that. They have... uh... Uh, They make it possible to unlock the potential of your real-time data for making faster, smarter decisions.
1: That's nice. Pretty good. Way to
0: go. Way to go, Tipco. Big uh, bonjour energy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We want to talk about Phil? Yeah. Okay. So yesterday, as we record this... um, It was announced, amongst other things, which we'll get to, is that Phil Schiller is stepping out of the SVP of Worldwide Product Marketing. He's held that title for a long time. He's been at Apple for 30 years, which is just an incredible run. He is becoming an Apple Fellow, which if you're not familiar with this, uh, Mike, you mentioned this link in Upgrade. We'll have it again Mm -hmm. here. It's a list of basically all dudes who worked for Apple at some point who have great history with apple and they get sort of awarded this title
1: it's is not an
2: apple felon by the way that's That's nice that's a different
1: thing thing. Uh, this is all men and i didn't notice this uh when i was recording upgrade and i saw a few people mention it afterwards and like there are many prominent women who have worked for apple like just to name one name would be susan Kerr, right Mm -hmm. who is responsible still to this day for a lot of the iconography that we see uh, in the operating system right like things came from the work that care did years and years and years ago yep. Like it's wild that they wouldn't have put it's not even the idea of like oh this should be a more diverse list but just like to have this list of people and care not to be in it is no, It just feels incomplete. Strange. yeah
2: like it just feels incomplete like how is she not in like she of all people should be in yeah
1: there. yeah
2: also, who are these other people? No, like, there's
1: so many names here. I have Don no idea. Norman <laughs> <and> <laughs> Don Norman and <laughs> Rich Page. Don Norman.
2: Rich Page feels like what I would yep. tell my editor when I
1: send my draft. So it's a Rich Page. That's good. This Enjoy. is a Rich Page edit. Yes, yeah, <laughs> there are people that I have no idea who they are. So it's kind of if you look at this site, all of the names in red I've never heard of and the names in mm-hmm. blue I have heard of, which makes sense I because mean, the names in red don't have corresponding although pages you gotta in to see,
2: Like, you gotta say... What a name, Gary Starkweather. Mm-hmm. Well, like, what's your last name? Starkweather. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I don't want to mess with this guy. Starkweather.
0: Don Norman worked on, uh, he kind of like put together the idea of user experience. Uh, he worked for Apple in the 90s. And uh, Gary Starkweather uh, <laughs> was also at Apple in the 90s and invented color management technology, so like color sync and oh. things to keep your display color Told accurate you. over time. He did a bunch of that oh, stuff. No. and uh He
2: just recently passed away. He passed away at Christmas
0: last year.
1: Why did oh, we make no. a joke of I'm his so name? <sighs> I'm so sorry. I would like to apologize to the Starkweather family. I also apologize. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have a great name. Oh.
2: oh, I used to work at Xerox. Too.
1: Yeah, yeah. a lot of Xerox park
0: uh, DNA in, in this list. Uh, Rich Page, by the way,
1: um,
0: he was one of the first four Apple Fellows. Uh, He worked on early compilers and hardware development. In fact he brought in the motorola 6800k family of microprocessors for the
1: least right, Macintosh. right, we're not doing a great job here of like pointing out that that it should, <laughs> should be a more mixed list and then yep. just spending time listing the accomplishments of all of the men mm-hmm. on this list that we never yep. heard of. He, uh, he we... later rage quit oh, next geez, so we're still doing it. All right, let's let's actually go back to talking about Phil Schiller, right?
0: Yes. So he's an Apple fellow. Uh he still okay. has a job at Apple. Mm-hmm. He's not just like hanging out in the pool, I guess. He will continue to lead the App Store and Apple Events, which is the team that, I guess, puts on events. There's a thing in the press release about how he led the effort to make WBDC 2020 virtual. And I think that's cool. I think he did a good job with that. I think we all liked how that went. So he is still going to be doing those things, uh, but the worldwide product marketing job is now going to JAWS, who has also been at Apple for a long time, 20 years, I think. And I think is a, is a I think it is does a good job where we see him and we've seen him more over the years and so I think he's got big shoes to fill but I think he's up for the job.
1: I don't really, I feel like I don't really know a lot about Jaws. Mm. Like I feel like I see him, you know, every now and then but like, I don't feel like I have as much of a like, oh, I know I know what this person's about as I do some of the other people that are on like Apple's executive leadership page. Maybe that's going to change now. We'll find out, I guess.
2: I do think that the timing of this is kind of interesting. Now, let me just say up front how I think Phil had an incredible career and working for such a long time at any company is an accomplishment in itself to do this, like to work at the same place for over thirty years, I think it's an amazing achievement, and we all know how like this person has done some has led like some pretty incredible projects over the years and I don't think you know I tip my head to to this kind of career um however, at the same time, like in twenty twenty I think your mind goes or at least my mind goes to the timing of this and there I've seen some tweets about this from Ben Thompson and and Steve Chatten Smith I, I I don't know obviously I know nothing right this this internal dynamics and I I have no idea what's going on actually but it doesn't really surprise me that this is happening now of all time periods in the history of Apple with all the things going on around the App Store and the antitrust cases going on. Now, obviously, like Apple is saying, how Phil is still going to continue to lead and and oversee the App Store. I do agree with uh, Ben Thompson's take from yesterday. Like he, he, He wrote, I'd be really surprised if he's still overseeing the App Store in six months. I think six months, maybe. A little too short a time frame. But I would personally, I would be really surprised if he's still overseeing the App Store in a year. That's what I would say. I don't think it's a coincidence. This, this is happening now. I think... I don't think a lot of people on Twitter, especially a lot of folks who follow Apple, I don't think they have a grasp just to how bad the antitrust stuff is going to be, both in the US and in the EU. And I don't think Apple is getting away with this easily. And... I think Apple must be pretty aware of this, right? And I think if you know that something's going down over the next several months, obviously you want to be prepared. Obviously you want to have... You got to have a transition of power. You got to show that you're changing and you got to show that you're, you know, you are making changes for whatever's going to happen. And so... I do believe, I personally believe, again, without taking away anything from Phil's career, that's out of the question. But as far as the modern app store goes and as far as the politics surrounding the enterprise cases go, I think that maybe this current situation accelerated this process, right? I mean, obviously Phil turned 60. uh, So he's had an incredible career. Could have still worked at Apple, I don't know, but I do feel like maybe you know all these things going on accelerated this pro- this this process of you know it's the same thing that happened with Johnny Ive and when 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 we were saying oh he's obviously on his way out when
1: he became chief design of, officer
2: when he became chief De- a lot of people were really upset and like how can you say that this is now it means he's retiring. It means he's gonna be more important now. It's like, and we were saying at the time, no, this is obviously the sign of Johnny slowly but surely retiring from Apple. And sure enough, that happened a couple of years later. Um, and I think this is, at least for me, very reminiscent of that mm-hmm. in terms of, like the dynamic. Maybe like it feels like there's there's a I don't know. Maybe this is just my feeling. It does feel like there's more sympathy towards phil than johnny i don't know
1: how just my my personal feeling like well the, the reason is because phil is an gave a know, personality to the world where johnny exactly. was more shut off by his own decision i, I just wanted to, to clarify a point f- for you uh if that's okay federico because yeah. you referenced ben thompson and he on on the Dealering podcast that he does with John Gruber, he kinda clarified his point a little bit, which is slightly mm-hmm. different to what I think his original tweets seem to indicate. He doesn't he, he if I'm summing up his point correctly, which I may not be, uh, is basically saying that the he actually probably has stayed as the head of the app store because of what's going on right now not that he Mm -hmm. is leaving apple because of what's going on right now right right so it's like they maybe don't want to say that the app store is under somebody else's control right now because it's going to be a tough job so like they will have him do it but the idea of him as i don't know if you're saying this but i've seen people say this the idea of phil leaving apple because of the app store stuff is incredibly it it just doesn't make it's very unlikely. It doesn't make sense to me either, because if your thought no, was like, oh, but- I need to run away from this, like if there was ever, if there was going to be like legal challenge against you, just because you don't work for the company anymore doesn't mean that stops. Um, yeah, no, of course. I think the thinking here is like that he's, I mean, very clearly the guy just wants to retire, right? <laughs> like, you know, he's he's been, as you said, 30 years at the same company. He's turned 60 this year. Like, he probably just wants to change what he's doing. Um, And, and, you know, the idea of him moving away. Look, and and frankly, as well, like, no one was going to take over Schiller's entire role, like, because Schiller does, like, three different things, which is a thing that we see happen with Apple executives. Deirdre O'Brien's the same, right? Where, like, Deirdre now runs two very different parts of the company, really, right? You've got the people and retail, Um, they are different things. So, but And like Schiller does a bunch of stuff. So Greg Jaws will take his place in the marketing side and then eventually they'll find somebody to run events in App Store. But you kind of maybe want to unbundle it and wind it down. And as well, this kind of feels like a transition plan, really, more than anything, right? Like it's not, the, it, this feels to me, not the idea of like Schiller's like, I gotta get out of here. But that over the last couple of years, you know, he's been making it clear to Tim that it's like, I'm kind of good now. And they're like, great. Well, let's work out how we wind this down, right? Which is different to, say, Angela Arentz, who was like, very clearly, this is done, right? Like, one way or another, because it came out of nowhere and she was gone, right? Like, the next day, gone. Mm -hmm. And this is more of a, like, I guess, very similar to Johnny Ive, right? Like, I want to step away now. And they're like, great, we're going to work out this plan, this transition, And so first you're going to give this part away and then maybe in a year you'll give this part away. I completely agree that within a year, Phil is gone, I would expect.
2: I mean, that's very likely. I just, as a person myself, like I tend to be very skeptical of these transitions whenever there's something else going on at the same time. So while everything that you said makes sense, I cannot avoid considering the timing
1: of it. This is this is the human and I'm not saying that you're doing this, but this is like the human nature for like conspiracies. Right? But well, like, I mean, and I'm not saying it's a conspiracy, really a consp- but it's like it's how conspiracy. people they like it's this idea of looking for cause and effect, right? Which is something that that we do as humans all the time. Right? We look for cause and effect. And you see this and you're like, well, this thing is happening, this thing is happening it seems very convenient that they would be attached to each other and that your brain just makes the link between these two things, and that's that, right? I'm not saying that you're creating a conspiracy theory. If you want to create one and talk about it here, I will entertain that because I like <laughs> hearing wild conspiracy <laughs> theories. Um, but, you know, uh, but yeah, I get your point, right? That it's like it seems mighty convenient that the guy who's been running the App Store maybe doesn't want to be around to run the App Store in a year because it's about to get really difficult to run the App Store, right? Like I see that logic too, um, and can imagine that if Phil wasn't thinking of it, he maybe would have started thinking of it, right? To be like, I think in a year it might be really hard to run App Store at Apple because you have to start implementing what the governments around the world want you to do with the App Store, right? Am I kind of summarizing what you're saying? What I'm saying is that there's some big changes
2: coming to how the app store operates. And by the time that happens, you want to make sure that you have new people in charge. Yeah. That's what, that's, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's a big conspiracy. I think it's when you look at it from the outside, and I guess some people don't expect that anything is going to change to the app store. Some people say that the government is crazy to make, to have this case against Apple. But I think, there will be big changes happening. And by the time that inevitably happens, both in the US and in Europe, you want to make sure that you have a new structure in place. That's all I'm, that I'm arguing. And for that reason, yes, Phil may want to retire, but I'm very skeptical of the timing of this. And uh, to answer some of the comments that we're getting in the chat room, uh, I think whenever you know people have these uh, discussions about executives leaving a company First of all, because they are very public figures. And second, because, you know, history teaches us that there's always a backstory, right? Uh, especially with high-profile executives living Apple in recent history, there's always been a backstory. And so the pattern teaches us that there's always more hiding beneath the surface, which I think is, makes for a fun, you know, exercise, in analysis makes for a fun conversation and especially now with everything happening around the app store I think it would be it would be you know kind of short sighted not to consider the circumstances. I mean you can ignore you can ignore them but that's not that's not how I usually operate. Uh, you know sometimes you know being skeptical all the time sure is not a great way to live but sometimes you're right about it. And uh, so that's why I, I consider the the circumstances, and maybe I'm wrong, but I mean it's a fact, right? It's happening now. These anti cases, so it's at the very, even though you don't believe it, it's at the very least something that you should mention.
1: I think so. that it would be wild to not at least consider it. It's like I'm agreeing with you. Like it would, you should. There is a cause and effect potentially at play, right? Like you would at least talk about it. Like if this was, um if Phil didn't run the App Store, we wouldn't be talking about this. Uh, no, exactly. Right. So, yeah, like, yeah. If I don't know, I'm look. Who is another? App, I'm look, I don't even remember the everybody's people. It's like, so if Dan Riccio, Senior Vice President of Hardware Engineering, left, we mm-hmm. wouldn't be going what about the App Store? <laughs> right? It like, wouldn't come up because it would. It doesn't make any sense. Can I just say one last thing about this maybe before we move on, which I kind of found funny. There's just this one line which I just really like where uh, Phil says, this is a quote from Phil. Uh, where is it? It's, it's about his friends. And, and he just, he only referenced, uh, here we go. It's been a dream come true for me to work at Apple on so many products I love of all of these great friends, Steve, Tim, and so many more. And I just kind of like that because it's like, who's he leaving out? <laughs> right? Because <laughs> he only mentioned Steve and Tim. Sc- Scott makes have per- been <laughs> Right? Like, <laughs> makes perfect sense to mention Steve, obviously. So, therefore, you would definitely mention Tim because that would be terrible, right? Like, if he just said Steve and so many more. Like, you kind of got to mention Tim. He's your boss. But, like, there are many colleagues he's not mentioned, right? <laughs> like, Does he secretly hate Craig Federighi? Who knows? I just find that funny. Like, obviously, he, he, you should probably stop at Steve and Tim because then you're definitely going to leave people out. But it was just funny to me anyway.
0: It's a it's a big move for a, a company that has relatively stable people at the top.
1: Is it possible that he is the current like longest tenured employee?
0: No, I don't think he's longest tenured employee, but he's the longest tenured person on the executive page.
1: Right. So there are people that are still working at Apple for longer than 30 years?
0: Yeah, Chris Espinosa comes to mind, for one. Wow. He was there early on.
1: That's incredible.
0: But but he, I think he is the longest running executive. And I mean, think about how long he's been there. He not only came to Apple when it was kind of a weird move to do so, but stayed through the 90s, survived the jobs transition, right? Like you would think a product, like a marketing person would, would maybe not I don't know his title exactly when Jobs came back, but you know he survived a lot of change, and uh, I I think he's a and I think he's adapted really well to mm. current Apple. Where when Jobs was around, he did a lot of the heavy lifting. Phil slid into that spot really well, and mm-hmm. as they've done a lot to diversify the people they have on stage and the voices we hear from apple he's done a good job at stepping aside and letting other people have their time and I, i just i look at that and i look at the flexibility that he at least from the outside has shown in his career and i find it uh i find it inspiring a little bit that somebody who has such a long career at one place can change and adapt and be successful through several different eras
1: it doesn't surprise me that he never left because, like, if you are, like, if marketing is what you love to do, is there a better company to work for? Right. Like, Apple's marketing is incredible. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, it's arguably one of the reasons that they are as successful as they are in modern times. Like, you know, may, unless you wanted a specific challenge, right. Like, I want to turn a company around. Like, if you want to work on marketing, especially if you want to work on marketing and technology, like, why would you, you know, why would you? Why would you leave? You know, so doesn't surprise me. He was there for so long, and he's still there. He's not gone. Not gone yet.
0: This episode of Connected is brought to you by Ahrefs. Do you work for a big brand, or maybe you run a small business? You're a freelancer. No matter where you land on that, getting traffic to your website can be a real challenge. There's a lot of competition out there, so Ahrefs serves as the all-in-one SEO tool set that solves the problem of getting people to your site. It gives you the tools you need to rank your website in Google and gets you tons of search traffic. Look, I'll just be honest, SEO seems like a big mystery to me, but going through the Ahrefs tools using their dashboard makes it really simple to understand what's going on, understanding what you should improve and then seeing the results. Ahrefs uncovers how your competitors are getting traffic. You can see the pages and content that send them the most views and get an estimated search volume with their Keyword Explorer tool. So you can see how well a piece of content is likely to perform before you write it. Ahrefs has a bunch of useful stuff. Content Explorer can help you find guest blogging opportunities, Rank Tracker, which lets you track progress on your keywords. It'll even help pick up broken backlinks and help you get them fixed. So take the mystery out of SEO, go to ahrefs.com, that's A-H-R-E-F-S, Dot .com little html joke hrefs.com and sign up for their 7-day trial for just $7. You'll get reports on your website, you'll see what's performing well and figure out your next move. So whether you have a personal website you want to gain a following on or your company needs traffic to convert into sales, go there now hrefs.com to get that $7 trial. Our thanks to hrefs for their support of the show and relay fm. Federico, there's new IMAX
1: Mm-hmm.
0: you excited about They're this? Very
2: exciting, mm-hmm. yes. I, I can Much f- more than my stupid conspiracy theories. <laughs> hey, <laughs> very exciting. come on. Hey. This is very exciting. Let's move away from conspiracy theories and talk about <sighs> iMacs.
1: I wasn't saying it was a conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: So what's new in the
1: iMac?
0: <laughs> Maybe there's conspiracy theories about it.
1: No, there definitely is. <laughs> there
0: definitely is. So the 21-inch iMac stays the same the only changes ssds are now in all the default configurations they're they're pretty small they start at i think 256 gigs so the fusion drive remains an option on the 21 and a half inch imac everything else is the same older processors older gpus they still have the 1080 display so that base 1099 imac still not 4k retina it's just hanging out down there at the bottom as the only non-retina computer apple sells which is sad. The 27-inch is where all the, the news is. So just qu- to quickly move through this, uh, SSD across the board, up to 8 terabytes on the upper end. Uh, they, they all come with the T2 security chip now. It was the last Mac not to ship with that. So the 21-inch does not have it because you can get the Fusion Drive, but the 27 does. Higher RAM ceilings, up to 128 gigabytes of memory. Much better GPUs with up to double video memory. It got the fancy microphone system. It got a 1080p webcam. The top end is a 10-core i9, which you can spec to, which is bananas. And something that really surprised me, I didn't see coming, the nano texture option on the Pro Display XDR is available on the 27-inch iMac. It's $500 here, as opposed to the $1,000 is on the Pro Display. But that's really cool. I, I'm, I did not see that coming. I'd like to see the... Nano texture show up on more and more products. I think it's really cool.
1: The nano texture thing is my favorite part of the announcement because it opens the door for future products to get that now. Because mm-hmm. it was something we'd hoped and and kind of assumed that if Apple could find a way to make it a thing on other products, they could.
0: You may be thinking that that sounds like an iMac Pro to me.
1: That <laughs> sounds like an iMac Pro, uh,
0: and uh, it is. So it has lots of RAM. It has better gpus it has the 1080p webcam which the imac pro had uh to account for this apple has dropped the eight core xeon from the base imac pro so the base imac pro now comes with a 10 core xeon w processor the rest of the imac pro is the same no new video card even though it needs one no updated xeon no nanotexture option so the imac pro is just kind of hanging out there unchanged now for coming up on three years which is, uh, it re- I really think the iMac Pro is, I don't think it's going to survive the Intel to ARM transition. I think it's going to die with a Xeon and, and not be resurrected on the other side. What do you guys, what do you think about that, Mike? Do you think it's, uh, it's over for the iMac Pro?
1: Um, I think it's becoming more likely that it's not going to be needed anymore. Like, there's no point continuing to make the iMac Pro if the iMac can be as powerful or more so which Mm -hmm. could be possible after the Apple Silicon transition. So I think it's at a point where it just may not be needed. And also, we were talking about this on Upgrade a little bit. The iMac Pro was conceived in a very different time. Yeah. The iMac Pro was conceived when there wasn't a Mac Pro. There was not going to be another Mac Pro is a better thing to say. And so they continued with that computer because they had to plug the gap before the new Mac Pro would be ready. And so they went with it, right? Um, actually, I think they when they showed it off, they hadn't had that roundtable yet, had they or had they? No, they had, hadn't they? They first mentioned it in that roundtable thing and then they showed it off at WWDC That's right. a little later on. Now, you know, I think it's it's fair to say that like if Apple would have continued with the Mac Pro and continued wanting to invest in the Mac Pro, they never would have made the iMac Pro. They would have just continued to make the iMac more powerful as they have done anyway, right? Like, the iMac Pro has not stopped them from making the iMac a better computer because, as you said, like, this one is pretty much it and in some ways is better than, so much so that they got rid of the base model iMac Pro, right? Like, the was it the 8-core or the 6-core? Core? Yeah, it's gone. They got rid of it because it's not competitive enough anymore. And then they brought the price down of the 10 core to start at 5000 So I think that they're further proving that even in the current climate, before Apple Silicon, the need for the iMac Pro is becoming less and less. I think once we move past this, what's the point? Like if you could just keep specking iMacs up to be super powerful, why have a different product line? You're just confusing things.
0: I think so, too. I mean, the iMac Pro still has headroom over the iMac, but it is a, a smaller gap than it used to be, a gap that may not matter by the time Apple Silicon rolls around. I, I do think that this 27-inch iMac, the 5K, is going to be around for a while. This is a very meaningful update, and we can talk about whether it's the last update or not in a second. But this machine could sit on the shelf for 18 months and I think be okay. And that that, that does make me think that the current like roadmap to ARM is maybe notebook heavy at first and that the iMac would follow a little bit later on
1: well they didn't touch the 21
0: that's true and it may be that they replay i don't think the 21 will survive either i think it i think the rumor is a 24 inch 21.5 is pretty small i don't know the last time anyone sat in front of one of those but it's uh, it's pretty small if you use something bigger and maybe that one goes ARM and the bigger one stays Intel a little bit longer. I don't know if they would split the iMac that way.
1: Can I test your memory here a little bit?
0: Yes, please.
1: When they moved the MacBook Pro, mm-hmm. the 13-inch to the Magic Keyboard, mm-hmm. what else did they do to it? Uh,
0: I think it was I think it came with a spec bump.
1: Yeah, but I'm trying to remember what kind of specs were bumped. Basically, what I'm trying to to p- posit here is that the yeah. oh, I,
0: Mac- I remember what they did. They they okay. added um that that one is the one that can go up to 32 gigabytes of RAM, and they added a bigger storage option. Okay, so it, it because of new processors, like it got us, it was a spec bump with a keyboard,
1: right? Because what I'm trying to trying to draw a line here is to say that like. The 16-inch, like the 15, became the 16. It got a big revision. The 27 to the new 27 is a big revision. Yeah. But the 13-inch MacBook Pro and the 21 and a half-inch iMac got some changes that were arguably necessary changes for both. Like the iMac didn't get as much as the MacBook Pro. The mm-hmm. reason I'm saying all this is because maybe those models aren't gonna be as long in the world as the more expensive models in their lineup. Sure. Right? So that like we may see I, I, I genuinely think we're gonna see a consumer laptop. I don't know what it is. I don't think it's gonna be the Air, I'm not sure, the MacBook Pro and the iMac 21 inch. They will be the first things. This is not a completely original thought. I'm just putting my stake in the ground, right? Like they will be the first three um Apple Silicon Max uh, so they can have cool consumer options and suit, showing the power, which will be what the MacBook Pro will do. That's probably what's gonna gonna happen, and that might be why the the current like the smaller iMac kind of didn't get you're going really get touched at all. To be yeah. honest,
0: maybe it's up sooner in the arm list,
1: which I think makes sense too, right? Like if mm-hmm. you're gonna do it a desktop, well, that's the desktop you'll start with. You don't start with the iMac Pro. If they're going to do one, um, and to be honest, do the iMac and the the Mac Mini. Yeah, I think when when we say the iMac Pro won't exist anymore, it's the idea of there being an iMac which is different. Like that is a different computer. The internals of it are different. Where right? like it is designed in like separately, it has a different calling system. Like they may have a version of the uh, Apple Silicon iMac that's painted grey, mm-hmm. right? and they just call it the iMac Pro, and it's just a uh, a higher level, but like the idea of there being this completely separate machine, which is looks like an iMac but kind of isn't in the insides. It's very different, um, I don't think that that's going to exist anymore.
0: Yeah, uh, I think that that tracks. Uh, th- th- that does bring up a point about these iMacs is that as far as we know, no one's taken one of these apart yet. But Apple didn't mention it. I think they would have if it would been done. The cooling system. Has has not been iMac Proified, and it doesn't have the overhaul that the iMac Pro got. Now, the big one doesn't have a three and a half inch drive in it anymore. I don't know how they're doing the SSDs, but at the very least, it would should it should have better airflow. But it does not have the cooling the iMac Pro does, and the uh that could be a little noisy on the ten core. Maybe we'll have to see how it goes. Um, and Jason is providing real-time follow-up. The cooling system is not an iMac Pro cooling system. So it is the same fan layout as the as the previous 5K. So I'm
1: sure in Cinebench, you know, the iMac Pro will still be able to be, you know, like in some benchmark, sure. it's not going to get throttled. But like, I just don't know how important that stuff is. So
0: anyways, good day if you're an iMac. I think uh, if you've been holding out for an iMac, this is a, a good time to update. This is the biggest update the iMac's had in a while. And uh, that brings us to the question of, is this the last Intel iMac? Are we going to see another 27-inch update? I I don't think we will. I think that because this update is so meaningful, they've done so many things, that this 27-inch iMac can last a while, and I think it buys them enough time to get an Apple Silicon 5K iMac out the door. I, I think that this is sort of the last hurrah for the Intel iMac.
1: I would say if I was going to make this some kind of pick, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. This will be the last time the new badge is on the Apple Store for any Intel Mac. Really? Mm. No more Intel updates after this? That doesn't mean no more updates. Like the Mac Pro gets updates, but they don't put the new badge on it.
0: Well, no, the Mac Pro gets new components you can put in it.
1: Sure. Yeah, I, that's, just, not, I uh, that's not
0: a product yeah, update I mean, I'm they're not, not saying
1: that that's definitely going to happen I'm just doing what we do with Pix but like I think that it's possible like you know like yes you could do it you could update the Mac Mini but I don't think they will right like so I, 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 I can't re- I could see a world in which this is the last major update for an Intel machine like major update like, they'll continue doing stuff to the other computers but I don't think they'll be major enough we'll see
0: Anyways, that's uh, that's iMac news. Kind of a fun... It's been a very busy week for August. Very very strange. For usually very quiet this time of year.
1: Yep. Because uh, everyone's at work, no one's going on vacation. It's
0: not a time of year where tech companies do a lot of releases. Yeah, because people normally. go on vacations. Mm. Yeah.
1: And no what one's doing that? that, so why I stop? I I'm going. Well, yeah, but, but you're
0: in a country that has Zach I mean, its act together. Well, different. and
1: also, mm. on your vacation, yeah. you write an iOS review the whole time, so... So that doesn't count, but like the idea of like shutting down for the summer season, which is something that happens in corporations, like it just isn't happening this year. So we just keep working. We'll all just keep working.
2: Do you guys think they have more coming in August?
1: Yes. <laughs> hmm. Is that a yes because you think or is that a yes because you've heard? No, it's a yes because I think. Like just that thing that we spoke about last week, you know, which that, that wild uh, the set of predictions. I yeah. just think that there's, I think that Apple potentially still has a lot in the pipeline this year and they may as well start getting it out while they can, especially because if they have products they can sell that are new, they will want to do that because of the quarterly results, because they've already said that the iPhone will be slipping. So the iPhone, no iPhone will be sold in their fourth fiscal quarter, new iPhone, right? It's all going to go to Q1, the holiday quarter, because they're not going to come out until October. So I would expect that if Apple has new products to sell that they're otherwise holding on to, I would expect them to put them on sale. And that would include stuff like AirPods, AirPods Studio, uh, HomePod, that kind of stuff if they have them if you got them, sell them have
2: you, have you guys changed your mind on the iOS, I'm going to talk about iOS 14 in a few minutes, have you guys changed your mind on the release date, you're still thinking uh, they're not going to change it are they going to postpone it now that they have
1: said the thing about the iPhones I don't know man Because I still don't feel like I can put so let so what we're saying is in the that Apple said that the iPhones are coming a couple of weeks later this year, which means they'll be in October. But I still can't put my finger on when would they have the event. Right. Yeah. Because they could still have the event in the first week of September if they want to. Like I mean, it's not like it's a surprise when iPhones come out. So, like, you know, lots of people are not buying iPhones in late August to early September, anyway, because they know there'll be a new one. Mm-hmm. So, if they for any if they still want to put iOS fourteen out in the middle of September, which they may still want to do, any for I don't know what reason, but they may still want to do it, then they will do that, I and mean, then they'll do the iPhone, they'll show it off, they'll say they're coming in a month, and that's that. So, I I still feel like I'm not, I can't I can't predict it any any differently, even though they've given me that date.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, I'm in the same position. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry.
1: Well, no, but that is, look, it's fortunate, right? You should not be thinking you have extra time in case you don't.
2: No, I know. And I'm not thinking that. But, you know, it would be nice. It would be nice to, to know. But it's. I know it's not going to happen. So I'm still approaching this as if, you know, iOS is coming out in mid-September, as usual. Uh that's how I'm approaching this. Um, maybe I'm a bit slower than usual mm. this year, but it'll
1: get done. It wouldn't surprise so, me if they just haven't decided.
2: That could also be it, right? They could be gathered, still collecting feedback from the beta testers. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, One thing I believe is happening is they want to make sure that whatever they launch as the first public version... Is be- in better shape than last year. Yes, that I think is the is the main driving force here. Like whatever we launch to the people who don't have the public beta or the like, the public version has to be in better shape than last year. So you mean
1: like the shipping Golden Master version, right?
2: The sh- the sh- like yeah. my, when my mom checks for updates, what's she gonna get? Like what's she gonna get like that version needs to be better than whatever they did with 13 like if you guys like just to remember for a second like what they did last year with the split release that 13 then was 13.1 which was also iPadOS and that came out like first they gave us a date and then that date changed um it came out like a couple of days in advance. Like, it was kind of messy. And then I like, I was going through these numbers for my review. Um, they had, like, in two months, like, eight software updates or something like that. Like, it was wild. Um, just the number of fixes and patches that they had to put out last year.
1: Because I remember it was crazy for you because you kept having to... Like, rearrange things in the review, like if you or if you're deciding if you wanted to, right? Because certain parts weren't available. So, here on that, if I was Craig Federighi, right, the way that I would do it is this back when months ago, they must have set a target date for iOS 14 based on iPhone shipping, right? Like, before delays, you know, they would have had a date and the date would say September 14th or whatever, right? Mm hmm. I would still say, right, like, let's aim for our original date and we'll see where we are when we get there. And if when Hmm. we get to our original date, we feel like we want to spend more time making it roll rock solid, let's do that up until the date that the iPhone comes out. You know, so like they've given them, uh, you know, it would be like I would be giving us a window of where from the original date to the date when iPhones ship, and we can decide during that period of time if and when we need to continue working on things that's that's the way I would do it because ultimately like they can release at any point up until the new iPhone you know, or as they proved last year, a random time after the new iPhone comes out <laughs> right like you know, but like I feel like you would you, you they have the ability to do for themselves, what you're mentioning of like, well, they had a date that they wanted to ship it on and now they might be able to actually make it even more 100% solid by spending a little bit more time on it. But if it's ready, go for it. I don't know.
0: This episode of Connected is also brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. Do you have a website? And does that website have things like shopping carts, registration forms, or contact us pages? If you answered yes to these questions, then you need Pingdom. No one wants their critical website transactions to fail. That could mean a bad user experience for people on your site and lost business for you. The good news is you can set up transaction monitoring with Pingdom. It will alert you when cart checkout forms and login pages fail before they affect your customers and your business. Pingdom lets you know the moment any of these have issues in whatever way is best for you. You can customize how you're alerted and who is alerted depending on the severity of the outage. Pingdom cares about your users having the smoothest site experience possible, and if disaster strikes, you'll be the first to know. It's super easy to get started. Go to pingdom.com RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And when you sign up, use the code CONNECTED at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for the support of the show and Relay FM.
1: So we knew that with iOS 14, one of the things that users would get to be able to do is to set their default browser or email client to be not Safari and not Mail. And we all we knew uh, is that apps would get a special, basically an entitlement to allow them to do that. Not every app could do it. You kind of had to apply for it. Uh, as of uh, this past week, Apple has actually released some of the basic rules um, that an app would need to follow to be able to be either a new default browser or email client. So I wanted to read some of these kind of rules in basic. Obviously, things get a lot more complicated, but just kind of like high level, these are the things that you'd need to do and then we can we can talk about it. And I know Federico, you've been looking into and thinking about this a bit over the past week. So these are the rules for browsers. Your app must specify the HTTP or HTTPS schemes in its info.plist file and it cannot redirect a URL to an unexpected location. So your application can't be taking a URL that someone puts into it and sending people to somewhere else, which is great. Your app can't use UI WebView. This is deprecated years ago, and they need to use the Safari engine, which, you know, like the Chrome app uses the Safari engine, for example. And on launch, the app must provide a text field for entering a URL, search tools for finding relevant links on the internet, or curated lists of bookmarks, basic browser tasks. Uh, the rules for email apps, they need to specify the mail to scheme in its info.plist file. So therefore, some, when someone hits that mail to link, it will open your application. Be able to send A message to any valid email recipient and be able to receive a message from any email sender, apps that provide user-controlled incoming mail screening features are permitted. These are the rules. To be granted with the entitlement to become a default browser or email application, you have to send an email to a specific email address at Apple, which are listed in the documentation, which feels like a pretty shady approval process. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, like I had somebody posit this theory to me of like, you've got to assume that they will say, "Oh, okay. If you're an email app, you now have to do these other five things that we haven't told you. Like, you need to sp- support split view. You need to support dark mode, right? Like, who knows? Like, that's how we'll approve you. Well, I don't know. I'm just. This is just like uh, uh, conspiracies, um, but." It is, it is kind of, <laughs> of peculiar that you have to send an email to a, a random email address.
0: Is it the trailers at Mac.com
1: again? It's not. But you know what? You know what? I bet I bet Google haven't had to send that email. <laughs> <laughs>
2: is it, isn't it the same process for CarPlay that you need to request uh, approval?
1: I know you need to request it, but I don't know how you do it. But it is a similar thing. You request to be a CarPlay application, and then you yeah. get given this entitlement. Let me see if I can find that out. Uh, Why well, you, you do talk about it a little more? Also,
2: like on the, on the topic of like Apple um, saying to you, well, we would approve you if only you also supported these features. I think that's an important point actually, because if you disable the defaults and especially Mail, um, I wonder what's going to happen to Siri integration. Because right now, if you ask Siri to send an email, uh, obviously it does so with Mail. But if you change your default email client, what's going to happen there? I guess that the correct behavior would be if you set your default to be Gmail or Outlook. And if those apps have native Siri integration, you will be able to just have the same functionality. So Gmail or Outlook or Spark, you use they use the SiriKit integration domain for email messages and they let you send an email message via voice. Now, Gmail does not integrate with SiriKit, I believe, and we all know how, let's just say, reluctant Google can be in (laughs) terms of adopting new iOS features. Now, I do believe that a scenario in which I could see Google actually saying, oh, well, now we support Split View, Drag and Drop, and Slide Over, and Siri, if... If would be if Apple were to come in and say, well, we really want to preview. However, we feel like to guarantee the best user experience uh, for being set as default, you also need to support Siri. So I don't know. I think there's actually something there in terms of... Because if you change the default, then people expect to have the same features and the same experience. And part of that experience is also Siri for sending emails and checking your email from Siri. So I think there's something to the idea of Apple making requests in exchange, you know, to in return to those companies applying for this entitlement. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's totally out of the question. Um, and I think it would actually also make sense, right? You want to be set as default, there's like a minimum threshold of functionality that people expect. Now, obviously, this is not written in the rules. Uh, the so maybe Apple doesn't doesn't actually care about this. And maybe even if you disable, like even if you change the default, but if you ask Siri to send an email, maybe it'll just default to mail. Uh, so Apple maybe doesn't care about this, but I think they should. I think it would be the right approach,
1: technically speaking. I feel like if you ask Siri to send an email, it should do it with your default email app.
2: I also think so.
1: Yes. With the default
2: that you set, right? Yeah. 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 Just like when you tap on a mail to link, it takes you to your default. If you ask Siri to
1: send an email, it should take you to your default. Well, but that that might be like a a backdoor way to get But this is not in the guidelines. Su- well, that's a good point. That's a good point. But but I do feel like there may be things in the guidelines. Things they will want you to do that are not in the guidelines. Stephen found, by the way, they're only explained on the phone for CarPlay. Basically. Yeah, they explain. Yeah, not not via email anymore. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> for CarPlay, it's actually like just a form that you fill in in the Apple Developer account. So it is it is kind of different in in a kind of peculiar way. I think like an email address does seem strange. Yeah,
0: it, it just seems like they they didn't get the form built in time. That. That CarPlay form says this. If you think your app has the potential to be supported by CarPlay, tell us about it. Before submitting, review the CarPlay app guidelines in the CarPlay app programming guide. And there's a link to that. And you can pick your app type, audio, automaker, communication, EV charging, navigation, parking, or quick food ordering. Some of those are the new types that we got in iOS 14. And then you tell, tell them about your product, and then I assume that you hear back and they say, Yes or no. They're very picky about what goes into CarPlay. For good reason. I don't want, um, you know, games on CarPlay. I don't want the stupid stuff Tesla does. I just want the things that uh, are really useful and helpful.
1: Maybe they're just assuming they won't get that many requests for the browser and email. Like, really? It it probably isn't going to be more than a few hundred for each. I would assume. Where CarPlay would be much more, right? I would expect. Like, applications that want to be in carplay whether they should be there or not but like especially because Maybe. there's so many types of applications that that could in theory be a carplay app
2: can we talk about a specific line from these guidelines regarding email clients i would love to be able so they say email apps should be able to receive a message from any email sender that's okay mm-hmm. apps that provide user controlled incoming mail screening features are permitted. What's the point? What's
1: the point of this line?
0: It's hey. It's it's given the not hey. hey. Yeah, but like,
1: what's the point of putting it in there if there's no problem? It's like okay. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah, so It's like you you don't need to say this if you're only saying it because of hey. Because now
2: you made me get you made me think. Wait. Was this a potential problem?
1: Why do you need to clarify that this is okay? It's so strange, right? Like, if you just had the first part of that sentence, people are not going to go. What about hey? (laughs) Like, no. Like, be able to send, be able to receive a message from any email sender. Yeah, sure. Every email app should be able to do that. Like that second part of that sentence is. Unnecessary.
2: Uh, yeah, maybe they're just covering their bases, right? Because if you say uh, receive a message from an email sender, and then somebody could could like maybe potentially stir up another controversy and say, "Oh, but what if you have a screening service?" Does it mean that Apple is going against? Hey, I don't know. Maybe that's stretching it, though. I just don't know why they felt the need to put that in there.
1: It's so. Strange. It's very odd. It's so
2: weird. Also, because isn't it like literally called the screener or yes. something? Like the f- yeah. So. Uh, it really does stand out in there in those guidelines because everything else is pretty generic, right? Of course, a browser.
1: Are there more than one? Is there more than one app that does this?
0: I mean, depending on how you read it, like any... Like
1: the smart inbox? Yeah,
0: that sort of stuff yeah. could fall into this maybe.
1: But they don't screen email. Like smart inboxes just resort them. Yeah, it doesn't screen email. Mm, Something like Samebox kind of does. Yeah, but SaneBox isn't mm. an app.
0: Yeah, Mail
1: I don't know. Screening it's for hey. Features. Let's just like it's just they it's don't. Hey. This is for hey. It's Maybe for hey. Google uh, Inbox, but that doesn't exist anymore. Does Gmail do it?
0: But Gmail has like the sorting into various inboxes based on. It's not promotional. But it's or, not
1: screening, is it? But it's, it's also sorting. not
0: user controlled. Just for hey. Yeah. Look, yeah, well, ja- it's look. Just it's hey? Jaws's first
1: first. Uh, <laughs> First day. No, this as isn't the, Jaws. This is still. Let still. me finish my joke, Dad. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. You can edit me out if you want to.
0: So it's Jaws' first day as the senior vice president of worldwide marketing, right? Schiller's still over the app store, but look, Schiller is floating in the pool uh, on on top of Apple Park, wearing a robe or probably nothing at all. So Jaws Jaws is really in charge of the app store, right? Schiller's out there just hanging out and. He, he saw what happened with Hay. He saw that uh, the Hay dust up forced Schiller into early retirement. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to be really clear about this. And he just put it in here. I really love this yeah. app. I love <laughs> and that. I really want to approve you. Can't wait to do it.
2: Uh, well, I mean, yes, this is basically a Hay um, hey. feature right here. Hey. Everything else, uh, pretty ordinary, I think. You cannot use UI WebView, of course. It was deprecated a couple of years ago. Um, you cannot redirect people like uh, this is the reason there because, well, what if I'm now, what if I'm shipping a custom browser and I take whatever you tap, but I take you to my website instead? Obviously, that is not allowed. You've got to take users to the URL that they tapped. And I think it's interesting, the, uh, again, for browsers how they said you got to have an address bar. So obviously users should be able to tap into a text field and enter any URL. So it, from the sound of this, it seems like any like single domain or like uh, website-specific w- uh, web viewers are not considered browsers. So you should always allow the users to tap into the address bar and change the URL. And then they let you choose either you have to offer search or lists of bookmarks. So, it doesn't feel like search is mandatory. However, you got to choose between search or bookmarks. So, the user needs to be able to either enter URL or have a way to navigate out of the current page in some either via
1: search or via bookmark, which I think I'm not actually completely okay. sure about this because the way this is written, it makes it sound like any or all of the... T- so it says, on launch, the app must provide a text field for entering URL, comma, search tools for finding relevant links on the internet, comma, or curated list of bookmarks. Or? Mm. So is it saying that you don't have to have a text field for a URL? You could just have a curated list of bookmarks and that would be okay? You see what I mean? Like, it's not completely... Because if you have the... Uh, Info. P list information. Yeah, it's
2: one of those one of these three. It's one of these three.
1: Yeah, because, because they don't need you to type in a uh URL for you to be able to work as the default browser. Because the default browser just needs to be able to open a URL that it's given.
2: I mean, also who's gonna make a browser without an address bar? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, <don't> know, <laughs> I mean man. that but still so it's yes, you're right. It's one of these three. So you can open a link in a custom browser, but then you must have a way to navigate out of the current page. And that can either be an address bar, a search bar, or bookmarks. Which, okay, that makes sense. Uh, but they, they really want to... I think from the sound of this, it seems like they really don't want the user to be in a situation where they install something, they make it their custom browser, and that custom browser only takes them to a single domain. Um, you know, there's you know potentially, like, folks with pretty shady intentions who may be planning that. So, so
0: so no Mac Stories browser?
2: No Mac Stories browser is what I'm saying, yes. Uh, no 512 pixel
1: uh, browser either. I'm going to make a browser. So, 123 browser. It
2: only takes you takes you to your Twitter
1: account. It only takes you to the URL that you tap uh, or there's a curated list of bookmarks which is just like no website that is of any use to you. So like you can't search, browse the web anymore. It's like a mm. focused experience, you know. Mm. Hashtag minimal. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So nice. like you you can't get to anywhere else on the web of use anymore. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my my that's cool. my that elevator cool. pitch.
2: Aside from Mike, uh, I think you know Google, Microsoft, Mozilla, all these folks will apply. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they will not even apply. Apple is working with them. I bet. Which they should uh. be. Right, they right. should be because obviously this is like Simple. this is an actual feature that people want like when I was talking to my friends recently it's like so you know the usual question so what's new in the in the next update and i mean widgets is a pretty easy sell uh <laughs> people see it and like oh that's cool how can i do that uh and also like when you say oh you can now change um you know the default app for links it's like, "Oh yeah, I want to use Google Chrome." Like it's a thing that people understand immediately.
1: I've actually come to to the thinking of like changing the default email app is mostly a pointless affair. It's more I think
2: people are more excited about the
1: browser. It, the, the browser makes sense. The email app, like what? Like when I tap, I I'll get a different Oh, like, are you tapping this all these mail to links? Who exactly? Who who's tapping mail to links that often? I guess when you're, like, I
2: don't know, browsing, like, the hotel right, website. Right, but
1: even as a, a user, I am not a user of the mail app, right? Like, it's not like I struggle. I guess the only thing is, like, so I no longer need to sign in to the mail app with my email accounts. But, like, that's it. Like, the browser makes sense. F- messenger apps make sense. Music apps make more sense, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- th- that's I- it kind of, like... <laughs>
2: And those two are still apps, yeah. right? Music and messages. Yep. Um, they're starting with email and browsers. Which, and Maps, of course, you cannot... I don't think you can change the... Yeah, you cannot change the default for Maps.
1: Yeah, I would much prefer Maps to to email.
2: <laughs> Although, I got to say, not completely happy with Google Maps in the past what's the year. Wrong, what's the wrong with Google um, Maps? Uh, it's just... Google Maps has been making some questionable decisions for me for turn-by-turn directions right. um, with this insistence on, on, on like taking the, the road less traveled <laughs> to save like a couple minutes. Right, that's Waze. Um, yes, it's basically the Waze approach. Don't they have there, settings but for Google-
1: that kind of stuff, though?
2: no, I cannot find them mm. in Google Maps like so many times Sylvia and I have found ourselves in like these country roads in the middle of nowhere yeah. because Google Maps thought that we were gonna save five minutes and I' am like please let me be on the road where other human human beings are driving. I don't want to be stuck in the middle of nowhere where I turn my head and I can see like goats in a field like this is not my ideal driving experience. I want to be on an actual road not in the middle of nowhere um, and it happened a few times. Over the past year and it, it, it didn't used to be this way google maps like it, uh, we actually didn't notice like a change like suddenly it the default became oh let me offer you these unknown roads mm. so that you can save five minutes and i'm like please just let me be stuck in traffic and i and i'm gonna get there but at least i will be surrounded by other people
1: yeah, you know? it is definitely, that's a Waze thing. Like, that's Waze's whole thing, right? Of, like, uh, using user data to tell you where people are and then you can route people via places where they're not. But yeah. that should be, a like, it, a choice. It, it, it makes me feel very anxious, honestly, like, to end up in right. in
2: the middle of nowhere. Because you're a little like, bit like,
1: oh, where are you going to send me? Like, where am I going to yeah, go exactly. Now? Yeah, exactly. It's like,
2: yeah, so... I've been anticipating the rollout of the improved Apple Maps here, but I I have a bad feeling about it. I think it's going to be another couple of years before
1: we get them in Italy. Mm. So did they uh, did they did they announce more places that they're taking it to? I don't remember the Apple Maps stuff.
2: Uh, some cities in Japan got it yesterday. Oh, that's good. That's nice. What about London? Did that ever happen? I have n- I have no idea. Okay, I don't I don't think it was. Oh wait. Has he mentioned somewhere that maybe the UK and Ireland? Huh. No, maybe I'm making
1: this up. I don't know. Don't make I, gotta, it up. I gotta look into it. A look around got put in Japan yesterday. For someone who's not checking their RSS, you're definitely up on the They did Apple say, Maps they news. did
2: say they did say revamped Apple Maps, expanding to UK, Ireland, and Canada later this year. So maybe in a few months, Mike, you will get the new Maps stuff. Because I you know, yeah. like
1: I only use Google Maps because I find it more reliable. Like, if Apple have created a reliable system, I would use that instead.
2: Like, yeah, they're saying later this year. So mm. it's a good chance you'll have them by the end of the year. Well, I'll look forward to trying that.
0: This episode of Connected is also brought to you by Hover, one of the show's longest-running sponsors. When you have that big idea, where do you go? For a ton of people, Hover is that first big leap because a business or a project starts with a domain name. And Hover has over 300 domain name extensions to choose from. So no matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for you. They have excellent technical support to answer any questions you may have, and they're dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you. Hover has free Whois privacy, so the bad guys don't get your info, clean UX and UI all the way throughout, and monthly sales on popular top-level domains. It's easy to see why Hover is the popular choice for people starting businesses. I've got all of my domains over at Hover, including funny ones that come up on the show. It's really quick to get in there, buy it, redirect it to something else. It is just amazingly cleaner and more simple than any other registrar I've ever used. We know that you like user experiences that are intuitive. I know I do things that work straight out of the box. So you're going to appreciate Hover because that design is really simple, clean, and easy to navigate. So buy your domain and start using it today. Go to hover.com/connected and get a 10% discount on all new purchases. The URL one more time: hover.com/connected. Make a name for yourself with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for the support of the show and Relay FM.
1: Beta four, iOS fourteen beta four came out. Um, there's been some changes. I'll run through a couple. I think Federico, you might have some more to add. Uh, they've added which, more widgets. There's an Apple TV widget now, um, which was, I believe, I think I saw you say is like the last widget that they showed off that didn't exist. Yeah,
2: yeah. They they showed it off at WWDC,
1: uh, and it wasn't there in the first few betas. Right, but now now we have it. We can now get widgets from third party apps. Uh, it's been a bit of a tease over the last beta cycle because it was like, you can submit them, but they won't work <laughs> on devices.
2: Yeah, there were there was a, like an issue in the beta three of Xcode yeah. uh, twelve is it version twelve now uh, that prevented them from working in test flight. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but now they now they are working, so that, that, that's nice because now we can finally try them.
1: Yeah, I've used a couple. I, I, one that was it's interesting to me uh, is the drafts widget. And I've only been noodling around with drafts recently. I don't really have uh, big thoughts on it. But the thing that I found found was interesting was that one of the widget options allows you to kind of set up a bunch of like squares, like buttons you can tap on to take you to things in the application, right? So you can like Mm -hmm. to a specific note, to a specific area, to a search or whatever. And what I found is like it is incredibly from tapping those buttons to getting to that area of the application in a way that I think could be kind of actually pretty cool because you're not like opening the app tapping 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 like I feel it feels very quick plus the animation of opening an application from a widget also feels that way as well right like it feels like the app just comes out of the widget so I don't know I feel like there could be something kind of fun where like some of these utility applications like I'm thinking like to do apps or whatever if you could say something like OmniFocus with your perspectives or whatever set a little Mac Stories perspective icon as they are uh, as the wonderful Mm -hmm. icons that they are to like open different perspectives or whatever and OmniFocus would feel really fast. And so that could be one of the nice things about these widgets is it makes getting in and out of applications feel quick as well as providing information about them uh, where necessary.
2: Yeah, and I think judging from what we've seen so far, I think it's pretty clear that given the limitations of Widget Kit this year, we're gonna end up with two kinds of widgets, like two sort of macro categories of widgets. Uh, widgets that let you glance at different types of data visualizations. So anything that can be visualized from an app, from your um, st- like a step counter to the number of tasks you're supposed to work on, like any kind of visualization. There's going to be one kind. And the other kind, I think, is these kinds of launchers. Launchers
1: are back, baby.
2: Widgets that latch... Because that's all they can do, right? Especially in the medium and the large configurations where you can have multiple touch targets. Uh, We're going to have like these grids or lists with buttons that take you into different places of an app. Uh, Because they cannot do anything in line, they always need to launch something. So uh, I was using the dark noise widget, for example, and you can configure the widget to choose the sounds that you want to play, and when you tap one... Uh, it, it opens dark noise and plays that sound. And you mentioned drafts; it's one of them. And I, I've been testing like a bunch of other of the a uh, bunch of other widgets that I have a similar idea of you configure the widget and you choose like the areas of the yeah. app that you want to open and then you have a widget and on the other side is the the more traditional like glanceable widget uh there's one that i'm using called emoji countdown that is a super basic like countdown app that lets you associate an emoji with like an upcoming event in your life like a birthday or a, a, a trip to some place and you then you in the widget you see like a counter for how many days are left and the emoji. And that's all that it is. It's nothing more than that. Or for example, um, Shahib, uh, I don't remember his last name, is working on the new t- Twitter client, Aviary. Uh, you may think, oh, a new Twitter client in 2020? That's crazy. And it is kind of wild that he's working on it. Uh, but I-, I believe Shahib's uh, planning to integrate with the new Twitter API. Um, and Aviary is like actually really, really uh, interesting as a new Twitter client, because it's like a modern Twitter app that uses modern iOS and iPadOS API. So multiple columns, drag and drop, shortcuts and Siri integration, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, is working on this widget that lets you glance, lets you see the latest tweets from your timeline. So uh, I don't think it's possible to configure the widget right now. And maybe, uh, Shahib, if you're listening, consider this a feature request. Um, maybe it would be nice to configure the widget so that you can see the latest tweets from a particular list or maybe matching a particular search. So I think it's clear that we're going to end up with this, these two like, primary types of widgets. Either you launch something, so it's like a launcher, uh, and as Mike said, uh, launchers are back. <laughs> they used to be a thing years ago, and now they're coming back in full fashion.
1: Uh, or Bigger and better than ever. <laughs>
2: bigger and better than ever. Look at that. You can actually uh, have a launcher that occupies the space of 16 icons. The biggest
1: and bestest one is shortcuts, but you can't compete with that one. <laughs> oh, my, oh, my God. The shortcuts... Shortcuts
2: widget. Now the shortcuts widget has a smaller uh, version. So there's a small widget. However, it's not working for me. No, not working for me. The new small widget in shortcut, it lets you uh, pick a single shortcut that you want to run from the small widget size, which in theory, great idea. However, when I tap the choose button to pick the shortcut, it keeps loading and loading and loading forever because I probably have too many. Um, Anyway... I just wanted to say that I'm glad that legacy widgets are sticking around for now because given that these are, these are the two types of widgets we're going to have, I still want to keep using something like Timery, uh, something like PCalc, for example, because that functionality will not be possible this year. And so I'm glad that even in, in legacy mode and even though they will, not,
1: they will be stuck in the today view, I'm still going to use them. I've just replaced all of my time tracking stuff with shortcuts now.
2: No, uh, but it's not like the timer widget is so good. You sw- you swipe to the side and you can see the the timer like in real time. That's so good. I know. You know.
1: I am finding that I'm leaving more timers on than I used to. <laughs> well, you'll
2: <laughs> you figure why.
1: <laughs> like, oh, it's been going for like twenty six hours. Look, uh, yeah, no. well, very productive over there.
2: You know me. Yeah, that's the downside. Although. Some widgets are really beautiful. So it kind of compensates, you know? I think so.
1: Yeah. I, the designs that I'm seeing of apps that I'm using or that seeing people share, it's like they look so good. Um, and so it's kind of, this is kind of what I had hoped would be the case when they showed it off that, like, yes, we'll be taking a step back in some areas, but step forward in others. And maybe at the end of it, we'll just be happy with where they are. Uh, Universal search has been improved in the sense that they fixed a kind of weird bug, right, Federico?
2: You may think it was a bug or it was an intentional decision that they walked
1: back. I will consider it a bug, because it would have been a very bad decision to make.
2: Well, okay, so the bug was... I I tweeted about this last week. The issue was that when you were searching for things in, in the new... They call it compact search in iOS 14. In the first page of search results, you would only see top matches for things like app names, so you could still use it to launch apps. But anything else that was like content or suggestions from like Siri um, intelligence, like the trivia questions, for example, everything else was tucked away in a secondary page. And I say that I'm not sure it was a bug because it looked pretty intentional to me in that there was a button that you needed to press to navigate into a secondary page. It was like a whole interaction that they had built in there. And now that interaction is completely gone from beta 4. So I'm not sure it was a bug when it was like an actual thing that was new and you could use it. And now it's gone. Uh, In any case... It's great that that search has been fixed, because now when you search for something, anything, uh, there's a single page of results. And sure enough, the new thing in, in 14 is that at the top of the search results list, whenever you're searching for something that is not the name of a specific app on your device, you get web search suggestions. So like, Uh, things to open in Google search or whatever your search engine is. Which is nice, because sometimes you do want to be able to quickly launch a web search. However, now uh, results from other things are back in the first page. So whether you want to open a song or play a song in music or a document in files or any content that's been indexed by search for your application in iOS, now is displayed on the first page. And what is different, I guess, is that search is faster than 13, which it is true, I, and I like it. I can launch apps faster than before. Web search suggestions, I think, are useful. It's nice to be able to quickly just swipe down on the home screen, type something, and then open a Google search. I think that's cool. And search results have been reorganized so that iOS 14 will try to provide you with what it thinks is the best like a set of top hits for you. But if you disagree with that and you want to see more, in iOS 14 beta 4, there's a new show more results button that when you press it, it doesn't take you into a second page. It just expands in line the list of results. Mm. So whether it was a bug or it was intentional, I'm leaning toward the fact that it was intentional given the the functionality that was in there. Uh, but whatever the case, uh, now it's back to sort of a hybrid of what it used to be uh, and some additions in 14 and now i really really like it myself like now it strikes a really good balance of web searches and launching apps is faster some results are more compact but also all my stuff is in there anyway so now thumbs up
1: yeah it's much better now
2: and uh uh, also new in beta 4 the uh, exposure notification API so the uh, Apple and Google system for uh, contact tracing and exposure notifications for COVID-19 is back in uh, well it wasn't uh, it It wasn't in 14 it wasn't wasn't in any previous beta but now it's in beta 4 and let me tell you how terrifying it is to get these notifications Uh, last night I was just chilling and watching Netflix at some point my phone lights up no, don't worry. I haven't been exposed. That's what I'm getting oh. at. Uh, and my phone lights up, and it's like exposure notification. I'm like, oh god, what happened? And I look at it, and the phone is like, "You, uh, you were not exposed to any." It's like, come on! Why is it you're telling me you notification to telling me that I was not exposed? I like, don't understand. My heart, like my heart, notified you. There. The app. Uh, The system, the system, it had the system logo of the exposure notification API. Did I take a screenshot? Hold on. It notified me to tell me that I was okay. And like, I felt like my heart sank for like five seconds there. Um, Did I take a screenshot? Uh, Yes, I did. Um, Weekly, uh, okay, the title, COVID-19 exposure logging. And this is the the icon of the system weekly update, and I'm like, God! Imagine me reading this notification. I'm like, Oh God! Your device did not identify any potential exposures this week. Why is it doing that? Why are you sending
1: me these notifications? To Don't tell me that. Tell me nothing, right? <laughs> like, tell me nothing <laughs> until I need to know. That's wild. Yeah.
2: I hate It that. was terrifying. And I'm sending you the screenshot now. It was absolutely terrifying to see this logo and this notification pop up on my phone to tell me that I was okay. Uh, anyway, it's cool that we can now use our government-issued app again
1: in iOS 14. Uh, uh, what happened to the second phase? What, what do you mean? So they announced, when they announced this, that a second phase would be coming in, quote, the coming months, which was that it was going to be in the operating system instead of needing applications. I
2: wonder what happens.
1: So I'll read from the, the FAQ. After the operating system update is installed and the user has opted in, the system will send out and listen for Bluetooth beacons as in the first phase, but without requiring an app to be installed. If a match is detected, the user will be notified. And if the user is not already downloading an official public health authority app, they will be prompted to download an official app and advised on next steps. So this is the idea that, like, so currently you need to download an application to be able to, for the beacons to start looking for each other. But then there was going to be this second part where the operating system would just do it. Now, my thought was that's going to be in iOS 14, but they haven't mentioned that yet.
2: Yeah, I forgot there was supposed to be a phase two.
1: Which is a better thing, which is like that the operating system is just constantly doing it. And then you download an application if and when a match is detected. Yeah. So here's my question to you. That notification that you got, had you ever gotten that before? No. So maybe that is phase two. Maybe. Because...
2: Did I just like center this cover a major new feature? Maybe.
1: And talked about it on Connected? Maybe, because that's the system doing it.
0: Well, I mean, so I'm on I, the newest iOS 14 beta. Tennessee, like many states here in the US is deciding not to do it. Nine to five, Uh, Zach over there has been keeping up with this. And if I go into the settings section. I saw it, yeah, exposure notifications, and it says uh, exposure notifications are off. If you turn them on, your public health authority can notify you of possible exposure to COVID-19. You can turn this on by downloading their app in the App Store. So at least in the current beta, it is not a system feature.
1: I agree that because I get a similar thing, right? Like they're off, and then it tells me if I turn them on. But Federico already has them on, uh, I don't know. I don't know.
2: Yeah. It's interesting. I don't know. We've got to listen so,
1: uh, to it. I still am I'm waiting to see what they do with that. Like, when when Apple and Google announced it, I think they thought it was going to be met more positively than it ended up being met, right? And well, I wonder yeah. if they've changed their tack on it all.
2: Well, you got to account for the sad truth of large portion of the public, both in the US and in Italy and elsewhere, you know, having this new skepticism is a mild way to put it around COVID-19 and really like our official app. Last time I checked, you know, Italy has 60 million people. It was downloaded less than 2 million times. So, you know, unfortunately.
1: And that's why it needs to be in the operating system, right? Exactly. But then people need to still accept it.
2: Yeah, it's kind of sad really that Anyway, let's talk about something else. Um, we mentioned the new small widget for shortcuts. Eventually, I hope to get it working uh, on my device. Now, this next one, I was told that actually was available starting in beta 1, but we never mentioned it, and I and I missed that it was available. Uh, there's a new accessibility setting for pointer control in iPadOS 14, where you can now enable, uh, this is under settings, accessibility, pointer control, double tap to drag so now you can choose to enable this option and you can just double tap then start dragging anything on screen this applies to files text icons on the home screen instead of having to long press and hold then drag away you can just quickly double tap and without letting go after you just tap twice you can just start moving your finger and you will drag Um, I like it. It's a nice option to have. You can choose to have drag lock enabled or not. Um, I think I really like this as an option, and I think I'm going to try and use it for a while because it does feel a lot faster than
1: long pressing and holding to drag away. I think this is the same on the Mac. This is a setting on the Mac,
2: uh, on the Mac, you can also three-finger drag, right. which I know that a lot of people have been um, telling me in my in missions, my like, can you also enable t- uh, three-finger drag? Unfortunately, that's not possible now. Uh, and I want to say maybe because, like, uh, 3 finger y- are supported on, on iPadOS, on the Magic Keyboard, for swipe gestures. I don't know how Apple feels about, like, a continuous drag gesture with three fingers, given that the, the trackpad is kind of small. And also, I mean, it would conflict with the, with the system gesture for switching between apps, right? The three-fingers horizontal swipe, yeah. I think. So, yeah, that's not possible now. But you can enable uh, double-tap to drag, which I think is kind of cool.
1: Which I guess is maybe more useful. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't conflict with anything on iOS. At least on the Mac, the double-tap will conflict with double-tapping. Um, but there is no double-tapping on iOS, so... Yeah. Right? So that, that's actually pretty cool. I'm trying to think, is there any double tapping on iOS? I can't think of it.
2: Mm-mm. No. I don't think
0: so.
1: Yeah. This is so far, I will say, it's been the uh, buggiest version for me, uh, my iPhone. Oh, oh no. I'm just having a terrible time, guys. So this morning, my alarms didn't go off uh, to wake up. Oh no. They just didn't happen. Uh, and when I used my iPhone in the morning, like everything was going super slow and sluggish. Uh, I had to reboot my phone, and it worked. And I tested an alarm, and the alarm did work. So, like, I think the phone just got itself into some horrible state overnight, where everything was like freezing. So that was part one. Uh, my cam—I'm having serious issues with the camera, uh, like really big ones. So you know, if you if you open the camera app and you switch from photo to portrait, you know it kind of goes blurry, and then yes, right. A lot of the time I open the camera and uh, it just keeps doing that blurry thing over and over again, like it's trying to switch mode, but it's not doing it. Sometimes my camera works. Sometimes my camera doesn't work. Um, And that's been a real issue that I've had. And then um, the sharing suggestions when you share oh, they've come back. Mm. Uh, Oh, they're back. (laughs) back. Uh, Randomly, (laughs) I did nothing, and now they're back again. Um, So I'm finding like a weird set of stuff that keeps happening to me. I keep... i keep rebooting my phone and sometimes it makes things better but these are i've not had any significant issues on any other beta and i have on this one so just wanted to say this as a case of like yeah i know it's a beta and i'm just saying because we talk about the betas here a lot they're still not perfect so like you know be aware
2: so yeah please um i hope that the bugs continue so that this come out comes out later than usual (laughs) what you want (laughs) okay i'm sorry mike but I really I really hope you, and you run into more bugs.
1: Oh, that's nice, isn't it?
2: <laughs> no, but I mean, this is bad, right? Because it
1: was to, supposed to be the opposite. Like, it was supposed to be... Remember the report where... Uh, they yeah. I'll say, look, it's been great, right? Like, I expect that bugs will get introduced throughout the beta process, right? But, like, so right. far, it's been absolutely rock solid for me. But I've just hit a few this time. Okay. Okay.
2: Yeah. I want to say like personally for me, it's been okay. Not perfect. I'm not sure if I, and this is why I'm not writing this chapter until early September. I'm not sure if they they are reaching iOS 12 level of like stability because iOS 12, they I remember they did a really good job and because that was one of the one of the like core features that year, like we r- really like try to improve the performance and we fix a lot of bugs. Um, I'm not sure if 14 is up to that standard. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's not like personally for me, it hasn't been bad. I haven't run into like it's a bunch of bugs, a bunch of glitches, some surprising decisions like search, but otherwise pretty okay. But I'm not sure I would call it as stable or as polished as um,
1: 12. Yeah, And I'm still finding some shortcuts loading very slowly from the widget. Um, That's been a persistent issue that I've had. Um, Some of my shortcuts broke. Uh, Some of
2: my shortcuts um, have empty variables now which i noticed because like i was tapping the shortcuts and they were doing nothing and i was like why are you doing nothing and then i went in there and sure enough the variable fields were empty
1: i've had some not where the variables are empty but the variables are wrong like uh, they were magic variables where like it wasn't it wasn't pulling in incorrect data it just wasn't set as the right magic variable like something got uh, reset and it was kind uh, of like a, a um not empty but almost like it was an empty magic variable it said a thing But it wasn't doing the thing that I thought it was supposed to be doing. I had to go Mm. in and edit the magic variable, and then it would fix itself. Um, So you know, but like, look, these are not complaints. These are just we're just talking about our experiences. Yeah, Um, you're just filing a radar on a podcast. Yeah, I'm. uh, I'm or feedbacks. I'm filing a feedbacks uh, right here. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I don't file them. I sometimes do when I feel very strongly about them. I haven't felt strongly about anything. Like I'm seeing things (laughs) that are frustrating to me. And I've done it in the past, right? Where like I have really felt like something had to change and like I really believed in it. But like all the things that I'm running into, it's like they're bugs. I'm sure somebody else is experiencing them. Uh, You know, if my camera thing persists through to beta five, then I will file a feedback. But, you know, I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm I'm sure I will get fixed. But I also, look, I will say it again. We talk about them. I'm talking about it. I know people at Apple listen to this show. If you work at Apple and you hear what I'm saying and it sounds really bad, now you know. (laughs)
2: Right? (laughs) We're talking about them, right? We're we're bringing attention to them. And I think, you know, sometimes when I feel very strongly about something, I would, or maybe, uh, and that's especially true for like very bad bugs, as you remember my iCloud stuff last year, I actually need to collaborate with like an Apple engineer who's like asking me for a diagnose or like multiple crash reports, you know, that kind of stuff. I obviously, I obviously want to go in there and make sure that I file a detailed piece of feedback. But otherwise, I think it's the normal cycle of things where Apple pays attention to to, to folks who have an audience and talk about these new features and what they think about the new features and the issues that they have. With an audience, so I think it's it's just the regular, the way things are, and I think
1: it works pretty okay for them. Safari and Big Sur supports four K YouTube videos.
0: Woo!
1: Nice. I've been watching YouTube videos in four K on my iPhone on my iPad for the last like three or four weeks. This is something that I came across, um, as well as Safari, Uh, and something I've noticed. uh, 2160p, like 4K, it's not worth it on the iPhone. Uh, like 1440 does the job, right? But when I have tried it at 2160, my phone gets really mm-hmm. hot in one very specific place. Mm-hmm. That's the 4K <laughs> right? chip. The, the proce- I know it's, it must be the processor, right? This is where the system on the chip is. But it's almost like I can feel the little square that is hot right? Like it's not like the whole thing warms up. Like it gets very hot in a very specific area, which is why I've ended up just setting it to 1440p. But like, you know, watching um uh, 4K videos on my 12.9 inch iPad, or not on my 11, my 12.9, still not on the bay, or on my 11 inch iPad is really nice. Like it looks really good. And also just watching uh, 4K YouTube videos on in a web browser is also really great. I don't know exactly what had to happen for them to do this. Like it seems like Apple is supporting VP9 in some way yes. because like I uh, some when I tweeted about this a few weeks ago, people said go enable this setting and you can see like that the codec that this that the MKBHD video in question that I was watching said VP9. So you know, like it, uh, it's f- interesting to me that this happened. With the shipping YouTube app on iOS 14, but if it works, it works. So, yeah, I love it. I love what it being able to watch them in better quality now. Yeah,
2: yeah. This is one of the reasons why I, you know, this thing, this is one of those cases for me of, is it called like the butterfly effect? Like a small thing that has like much. Larger and Unexpected Consequences. Is it is it called that? Okay. Like um, a
1: butterfly flaps its wings in Asia and there's an earthquake in California or whatever. Yeah,
2: it's basically that. And also, like, this single thing of, like, uh, Apple adopting 4K YouTube playback on iOS, you would say, okay, yeah, you know, it's, it's nice, but what could possibly happen to your life? Well, my bedroom was... Well, no, we redid our bedroom because <laughs> I really wanted to have a Mac Mini uh-huh. because I really wanted to have a desk yep. in a particular location because the Mac Mini, among other things, would also run YouTube DL to download 4K content from YouTube and allow me to watch 4K stuff on YouTube. Now, of course, there are other reasons why I, I needed to get a new Mac and why I decided to bring a Mac to to get a Mac Mini. At the time, it was the best option for me. However, now I'm like. Thinking well, one of the big reasons why this Mac Mini is always on during the day is because it, I I use it to download 4K stuff because I I want to watch 4K stuff on my iPad Pro. And, and how are you mm, watching mm, those videos? Um, I just I put them in Plex. Ah,
1: okay, cool. I download them and put they them into in Plex. Plex. Yeah.
2: But now, like the Mac Mini, I'm using a few times a week to record the shows, but as a server. I don't have them, like, I don't have a lot of things in Homebridge anymore. And I'm not going to use YouTube DL anymore. (laughs) So, like, I'm thinking, is the Mac Mini still the best option for me?
1: You know, I'm so pleased you've said this because I I had something that I've not wanted to admit for a while. And now I can admit it safely. So, I also bought a Mac Mini to do home server things, right? Mm. I never did any of them. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <There you go>. <laughs> <laughs> that that Mac Mini, its purpose was so I could sometimes use like either lunar display or screens on my iPad to do something on a Mac that I couldn't do on iOS. I'm really pleased I bought that Mac Mini because it's now the machine that I'm using here at Mega Studio because, you know, my, my whole setup can't be put into place mm. the way that I want it. But I had like aspirations of a mac mini home server lifestyle that just never came to fruition
2: yeah yeah so now i did use it as a server uh, i mean I, I did use it for sure like i, I really used youtube dial yeah, and, no, and i had a lot i
1: had all of those dreams right that i was going to do all that i was going to set up Homebridge, and i just i just never i just it was too lazy i never did any of it
2: yeah that doesn't really surprise me you don't strike me as the server type of guy but 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 I did I did use it and now I don't anymore and I'm like okay, is this is still the best computer for me? And because of this, do I still need it? Like yeah, I still need a desk and I still need a display. But like, I don't know. I don't know. Right? I could be any other Mac at this point. I don't know. I like the Mac Mini, but you know.
0: But are you thinking about getting a laptop? Like, what are you?
2: I don't know. Should I? I I, I have no idea. Like should I get a laptop? No, I shouldn't get a laptop. Like, not this is now. Just not now. But like when the so okay when the first Apple Silicon Macs come out,
1: should I reconsider? When the first Apple Silicon Macs come out, you should get one anyway because mm. it's going to be so interesting and weird and like iOS apps running on the Mac. Maybe you move back to the Mac.
2: Yeah. See. See. Y- yeah.
1: Imagine I, I'm, that. Look, serious for serious for realsies right now. Like for realsies. There is a non-zero chance that if that experience is good, I may move back to the Mac.
2: Wow, that's a big statement for the end of the
1: show. That experience has to be very good, but I would just say I'm spending more time in front of a Mac again because of the studio. Like, Mm -hmm. when I'm here... And this may change, right? It's just because the... Only, I have, if you may remember, maybe you didn't know, in my studio that I'm in now, I have two desks. One is my recording desk, and then one is my what will be my work desk. And my work desk will be set up with a permanent iPad station and a permanent Mac station. But I'm not using that desk right now because I can't bring the equipment here that I wanted to, like my Mac, iMac Pro or whatever. So when I'm at the studio, I'm only sitting at one desk, which is a much smaller desk, which I just have a Mac on. And it doesn't really have the space that I would want to comfortably be able to use an iPad on as well, because I've got like a keyboard here and a Wacom tablet and like all the stuff that I need when I'm doing Mac based work, Right. So I when I'm at the studio and I'm here for when it, like three days a week now most weeks at least and I'm here for like eight hours a day, I'm pretty much just working on the Mac for most of that time. I don't prefer it, <laughs> but it's just the situation that I'm in. Um, I did was I will say today when I wanted to do the the show notes for this show, I went and sat on this on a chair that I have here and did them on my iPad because that workflow is way better for me to do on iOS. It just sucks mm-hmm. on the Mac, the way, the way that I like to do things. But if I can get all of my iOS apps the way that I want them and it works really well, I, I don't know. I, I, what I'm saying is, the jury is out on that one. But to go back to the point at hand, I think it would be really useful for you to, to be able to understand what that experience is like, Federica.
2: I don't think you're wrong, especially because now I feel less attached to this Mac Mini on a daily basis. Like I've gone since I started using iOS 14. I've gone more and since I really decreased my usage of Homebridge, I've gone multiple days when I was not recording any show. Like with the Mac Mini, it was just off, turned off all day. Like for multiple consecutive days. I don't know. You know, it's I'm I'm thinking about it.
0: Federico though. So pros and cons getting rid of the Mac mini. You could get rid of the would you get rid of the display? The f- LG 4K?
2: See, I don't know because I kind of like it mm-hmm. as a display, but it's also kind of ugly. It is. <laughs> I'll never fully appreciate it. And I know that I
1: I would like to have something that I can use with the iPad Pro because I I really love my Dell display that I have by the way. Like it's a very it's a nice looking display. Just wanted to say that for the for just for the point, of mm. saying it. Mm. I have no complaints about my Dell display.
0: I, I would say if you're going to get rid of the the external display, yeah, like a notebook would be nice. It'd be smaller, wouldn't it? Be like this whole setup in your bedroom, right? It would just be a computer you could put in a drawer when you're not using it. Mac Minis are quiet. Laptops aren't always quiet, but hopefully the Apple Silicon ones won't. That won't be a that big of a deal. You know, I worry about fan noise when you record in a hot room. But it's not like you'd be going to a 16-inch MacBook Pro. I mean, the thing is, can get can get loud. So that would be my one concern is noise. But if you're gonna keep the display, anyways, I don't see why you would need to replace the Mac Mini outright. Mm. I, with the caveat of you should totally have an R Mac when they come out because you need to cover iOS apps on the Mac.
2: Mm. Okay. Okay. Wow, I cannot believe that there's a good chance that I may be purchasing a Mac in 2020. Wow. Huh. We'll just uh, keep
0: tabs on that, so. Okay. All right, if you want to find our show notes this week, they're on the web at relay.fm slash connected slash 306. Lots of stuff there that we have spoken about. There's also some other fun activities you can take part in on our website. You can send us an email with feedback or follow-up. There's a link right at the top to become a member. Uh, to sign up for Connected Pro, you get this show with no ads and extra content, which is a lot of fun. You can find us over on Twitter. You can find Mike there as I-M-Y-K-E. Mike hosts a bunch of shows here on Relay FM. Mike, name a show you host.
1: The Test Drivers. You've say that you've said that three weeks in a row. Done it. Uh, I don't know. Then uh, it's your newest
0: one. So it's just on your mind.
1: Yeah. And what else do I host? Quotex. I feel like I'm
0: catching you off guard every time I ask you that. I've been doing it for a month now. Yeah,
1: I feel like I should be prepared, right? Mm-hmm. Like, or I should I should make a shortcut that does a random. <laughs> oh, random podcast. Yeah, that's yeah. good.
0: <laughs> well, it's not truly a random generator. You're not making up new podcast names. It's just choosing from a dictionary.
1: But doing it at random. At random.
0: <laughs> You can find Federico on Twitter as vitici V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net, which will be home of his iOS 14 review sometime later this year.
2: Ah, the pressure, yes.
0: <laughs> now you're committed, now that I've said it, here. Ah. Mm. You can find me on Twitter as ISMH and my writing over at 512pixels.net. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Ahrefs, Pingdom, and Hover, Until next time, gentlemen, say goodbye.
2: Arrivederci. Cheerio.
0: Bye, y'all.